Whenever anyone asked me where my favorite place to take the camper is, I would quickly and easily respond, all of the neighboring small towns. You're listening to Small Minded, the podcast that believes being small is a good thing because small steps lead to big impact, small towns have a big heart, and small businesses play a big role in our modern way of life. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and here at Small Minded, we share stories and strategies to help small towns and small businesses flourish. Here's to a life well-lived, being small-minded. What if sharing your business's products and services was easier and more effective? What if you could get your offer in front of the exact right person that your business is designed to help? What if instead of guessing what worked on Facebook, Instagram, email, traditional marketing, and all of the things, you knew the next right turn and you had a clear roadmap to get you there? What if you could accelerate your growth in 2022 and speed through the testing and figuring it out stage so you could put your marketing in cruise control? No more asking what if, my friend. The time is now. This winter, Molly, aka me, of Molly Knuth Media is offering 10 business owners the opportunity to work one-on-one to plan offers, strategically align marketing around specific goals, and accelerate growth in their business. In this exclusive, intensive experience, you get one 90-minute Zoom call to discuss your business's specific marketing needs customized education, training during the call, and tools that can help accelerate your growth. You'll get Voxer access, which is this fun little walkie-talkie app, for five business days so you can continue to ask questions and share wins after your call. And this is what I'm most excited about. You get one month inside our new MKM Mastermind that we'll be launching later this spring. Okay, so who is Accelerate for? This is for the business owner who knows 2022 is her year. The business owner who is confident that her business can help more people, but she just needs to know how to share her expertise to get in front of the right audience. Accelerate is for the business owner who manages her own marketing in-house, whether solo or with a team. The business owner who is tired of wasting time trying to fit into cookie-cutter models and wants specific guidance growing her unique business. This is for the business owner who is ready to invest in herself and maximize and accelerate her 2022. If this business owner is you and you are ready to hit the gas in your business, Accelerate is here. Head to mollyknuthmedia.com slash coaching for more information and to reserve your spot. Hey there, everybody. So I am so excited for this week's episode. In honor of the upcoming Valentine's Day holiday, I asked on Instagram for your submissions of small town love stories. Now, I preface that by saying these love stories don't have to be romantic love. Like I know there are probably a million of you guys listening who can tell me about a small town date story or how you're married to your high school sweetheart. And I love those. So I totally accepted those. And I also said, Don't limit your answers to that kind of love, though. I want to hear about why you love your small town, why you think back fondly of memories from the small town days. And you guys showed up. I have so many stories to share that I probably am missing some of your submissions, but I'm going to do my best to share your small town love stories 
And I'll just pepper some of mine in today's episode as well. So get ready to smile a lot and to have the warm fuzzies, like heart fluttery moments in this week's episode called Small Town Love Stories. Okay, a few of you guys had to like private message me some of your small town love stories because they were too long for the question box that I had. So we're starting off with a submission from a small town florist. And she says, her small town love story is when you're a florist and someone orders flowers but doesn't know the address. So you call the guy who delivers propane all over the community because he knows where everyone lives. And on top of that, he offers to deliver them for you. So that is just like a prime example of life in a small town where you're like, somebody stops and I don't even know how many times this has happened, but like if somebody pulls over and they're like, hey, I can't find this location. And you're like, oh, here's the directions. And you don't say like two blocks east, three blocks west. You'll say, go until you get to the Casey sign. You're going to hang a right. And then when you get to that weird street where it kind of forks, you're going to take a left until you get to the house that's like limestone rock, and that's where you go. You give directions based on landmarks, not based on mileage or east-west cardinal directions, or even like I know that somebody said like you measure distance in time, not in miles. I find all of that applies. And definitely uh, one time our daughter, she was having a friend drive her home from a play day. I had dropped our daughter off. And I thought that the parents knew where we lived. Like they had an idea, but they weren't exactly clear. And our daughter was little, but she's like, okay, so you're going to go up and down three hills. You're going to turn, and then our house is gray with a circle driveway. <laughs> I was like, you know, that is just like typical small town Midwest directions right there from a five-year-old. It was awesome. And I giggled to myself the whole time that the mom was telling me this story. But thank you, listener, for your submission about the propane driver who um, moonlights as a floral delivery guy, too. <laughs> Another listener submission is from a friend of mine who was telling us about what her small town does for their local veterans. We will make sure to put some photos up of this in our show notes as well. So in this small town in central Iowa, they have a veteran of the month. And outside of the veteran's home, they put a banner in the yard that indicates that this is the veteran of the month. The newspaper does a story. They get some merch and some swag from local businesses. And while that's cool, what I think is really cool is that these small town folks are acknowledging the people who, who contributed so much and they sacrificed so much. And in a lot of cases, like these people who are being featured are older, like they come from an elder generation. And I think it's so, so poignant to not only recognize their service, but I think that when we grow up in a small town, we can see people for who they are at the moment. So like this person works behind the register at the gas station, or that person yelled at me for driving my bike and not looking both ways before I crossed the street. But these people who we come to know in our towns as just fixtures of where we live, they have important stories to tell too. And I know that like over the years, people who I've come to see as like fixtures of our community here in Cascade, they have some very interesting backstories. So I know that there was 
a local convenience store owner and they owned the convenience store on the corner for like 60 years or something before they sold it. But come to find out, he had an extensive racing history back in the mid-1900s and he was very successful at it on the local racing circuit. And there were some people over the years in town who like, you know, it would always be too late that I would find out. I felt like I read about it in their obituary or in um, stories that were told like saying, oh, did you hear so-and-so passed? Yeah. And then did you know that they did this? And there were men in the community who like were competitive boxers and won like golden glove titles. And I was like, are you serious? That person, that person was a boxer? And they're like, yeah. And it's finding out these stories from generations untold that we, like as the young folk of the day, didn't recognize. Maybe we didn't take time to notice. But I also think maybe it's just that innocence of being young where you just think that everybody's always been this age and they've always been old their whole life, you know, and not stop to consider that, you know, they were young once too. And what was that story like for them as they grew up? What did downtown look like through their eyes in the 1940s? What was it like to grow up? And you guys, I'm just a huge nerd about history. And so like I think of what was it like to grow up in the World War II era? What was it like to be one of the first homes in that development, you know? And now it's become a development that has just been there forever. But, you know, there was a time when that house was new. And I know that our local, um, our local community website has a historical society page where they have old photos from the newspaper from like the 1940s through the 1980s, I think. And for the nature of my job at Molly Knuth Media, for a lot of my local clients, I'll go back into those archives and I'll pull like a back in the day kind of picture. But it's so fun to look through those. And the things that got put in the newspaper, you know, back in the day, there would be like a new home that was constructed and they'd say like, Cascade Lumber Company erected this spec home in this location. And I look at it through my eyes and saying, oh my gosh, that's that house on that corner with those trees that are now like matured and like twice the height of the house. But then in the archives of the paper, you can see back to what it looked like in its glory days when it was first built. And you could see how its architecture is just signature of the era that it was built. And it's just so, so fascinating. And again, I'm, I just totally geeked out about history and about the inordinate amount of time that I spend in our local newspaper archives. But I just think it's so much fun. And this story of the veterans getting highlighted for their service and their time just kind of all brought it to the forefront. In light of our conversation about newspaper headlines, uh, another listener who you are going to hear on the podcast very soon, uh, she submitted her own story. So I'm just going to read it. She sent a picture first, and it was just a picture of this newspaper clipping. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve the name because I don't know if this person wants their name. Executive director of the local economic development corporation met with a group via conference call. He had planned on attending in person, but encountered a deer on his trip back earlier in the evening. To accommodate this group, he was conference called in. <laughs> and then her caption is only in a small town, encountered a deer. And this made the local newspaper. <laughs> so that, that made me laugh because, again, going through these newspaper archives, it's like, how did that, A, make a headline, and B, how was that appropriate? Some of the things that they put in the newspaper, I was like, what in the world? Like, what? I can't believe they had put that in there. 
one of my favorite things when I'm looking through the newspaper archives is that back in like the 50s, there was like a weekly series in our local paper that was like a picture of a mom with all her kids and they'd be eating a recipe that she was like known to make. And it would be a picture in their kitchen, like the mom and maybe the dad would be there, but they would be dressed up. The kids would be all dressed to the nines. And I always read through the caption. I'm like, oh my gosh, those people who were babies like sitting on their mom's lap are now people who are like grandparents. And I know them like as the next generation older than me or even two generations older than me. And it's so like interesting to not only think that that was like, that made the news to be in that article. But also like, oh my gosh, what a passage of time. Okay, more listener submissions. And some of these are going to be comical. Some of them are going to be serious. But all of them, I think, will touch your heart and you guys will relate. So let's see. We'll start with... Okay, this is a local business owner. Um, She has a traveling business, so she has like a brick and mortar location, but she also has a component of her business that can travel around. So she says, when I bring my business to any small towns, I can feel the energy and the excitement, almost like it was an event people planned for to meet up with their friends. Whenever anyone asked me where my favorite place to take the camper is, I would quickly and easily respond, all of the neighboring small towns. And now I live in one. (laughs) And so I thought that was a really cool story because a lot of times in our small towns, we do have these smaller events, but they can be like such a big deal, right? And I remember um, growing up when I was in high school, we would always have a 4th of July celebration. Well, and, and that wasn't just in high school. That was all through the years. But I just remember that a fixture of that celebration was like the junk lady. And I know that's a terrible term, but there was always a a woman who would bring her little stand full of tchotchkes and it would be like $1 for a gold necklace. And we were like, oh man, this is the most beautiful gold necklace I've ever seen. Mom, can I please have a dollar so I can buy this gold necklace? And then, you know, inevitably you would lose the necklace or it would turn green or something like that. And so it was just like a hodgepodge of things that she had for like a low, low price, but you just, you had to have it. And like the kids in the community would always flock around her. And then there were these events too for the adults, obviously, but there were just like these little pop-up gatherings that ended up being something that people looked forward to. I know that my husband's side of the family talks fondly about a secret scavenger hunt that used to happen when my husband was young and his parents were in like their 30s. Somebody would do like a secret scavenger hunt mailing. And they went as far as to find somebody who would mail it from another town so that nobody could trace back the return address on the envelopes or like the post office signature stamps. And so they would like just in this summertime frame, somebody would send this out. Everybody that was involved in the scavenger hunt would get a letter in their mailbox and it would tell them like where to meet, where this all started, and then they'd go on this community-wide scavenger hunt. And nobody knew who planned it, but it was something they all looked forward to. And I can't remember, I think I know who did the secret scavenger hunt, but I don't know if they, I don't know how it came to be. Um, Just a few years ago too, there was in like the rural areas around our town, there was this um, giraffe 
like on a piece of plywood. And because it was rural, we would have cornfields and the corn would be so tall. And then all of a sudden, like you'd go to bed one night and you'd wake up the next morning and there would be this plywood giraffe sticking out of your cornfield. <laughs> and it became like, I think it did make the newspaper a couple of times, but it became kind of like this funny thing where people were like, okay, who's putting this giraffe up in people's cornfields? And where is it going to go next? And so you didn't know. Nobody figured out who did it or how it came to be. But there were these giraffes like popping up all around town in our cornfields. And it just became like this fun talking point in the community. And similar to our submitter about like her coffee camper, like sometimes in small towns, just what seems to be so small and trivial ends up becoming something that people in the community latch onto and really derive a lot of enjoyment and fun and excitement from. And that's something that I love about small towns, just like how people get behind a cause and just run with it. Um, another small town love story that was submitted was the way people show up and support small town businesses. Um, in my mind, nothing exemplifies this more than during the initial days of the 2020 COVID pandemic. I think about businesses in our immediate location, and I'm sure you guys listening have a million examples as well. But I think about there are a couple of restaurants, like 2019, 2020 was a turning point in our business community in our town. And we had gone from years of a main street district that was really dwindling and businesses were closing, and we had empty storefronts and vacant buildings. And it seemed like in the late 2010s, that was really changing and turning around. We had a couple of investors who purchased a bar, and they had expanded into a restaurant in 2020. And then we had someone buy a couple of empty buildings, and they put in a coffee shop and bakery, and they also opened in late 2019, early 2020. And so when the pandemic hit, it was just like, oh, geez, what are we going to, what are these businesses going to do? But I think that it shows just the innovation and the stick to itiveness. I don't have a good word for it of these small business owners, but they pivoted. And so, like that bakery, they started making take and bake rolls. They started doing um, like pan casseroles that you could like pre order, they would put the casserole together. You could drive by, pick up when it was ready, and they would bring it out to your car. And so you could have meals and you could support their small business in turn. And same thing for the restaurant that opened. They began coming up with creative ways to like have to-go orders and to-go drinks. And it really helped keep those establishments going. And it is in large part due to their like innovations, but also in large part to the community who was dedicated to helping see those businesses survive this challenging time. And so I think that I 100% agree that the way people show up and support small town businesses, and I know that not every small town business story has that happy ending. Like there are some businesses who don't feel supported and they don't survive it. And so this isn't the case for every single business out there. But I do say that like in large part, like People want to see their small town businesses survive and thrive. And I think that's really a great thing too. This one made me laugh. I used to be able to fill up my gas tank on my dad's tab at the local gas station in my town. 
Best thing ever, LOL. Um, did anybody else's small towns have charge accounts at the gas station? Uh, I think it was also like indicative of the time frame that we grew up in the 2000s where it was like you had charge accounts, but it was before like you could make Venmo payments or kids had credit cards. But I do remember some of my friends had charge accounts and my parents did not let me have charge accounts. I graduated in 2005 and I remember having a waitressing job at the local diner and we would have tip cups. And so I would let my change kind of build up in my tip cup. I didn't take home my quarters every time um, because, yeah, like I would get a nickel tip from the local coffee drinkers every day. And so I just let that change kind of accumulate. And gas prices were so low back in the early 2000s. I remember I got my first car when I was like a junior going into my senior year. And I remember like I was so broke and I would scrounge my change cup and I would get a quarter tank of gas with that. And I was like, oh, man, yes, now I can drive to so-and-so's house. And my parents didn't let me have a charge account. I had to pay for my own gas. So I had to pay with literally the change that I made at my waitressing job. But I did have a charge account at school lunch. I don't know if anybody else out there had that. Uh, We had an a la carte line. So if you did not want the soup du jour or the food of the day, you could go over the a la carte line. And that's where it had the good stuff. Like they'd every so often bring in pizza from the local Happy Joe's. Like when we were growing up, there wasn't all these nutrition guidelines. And so there would be like ice cream Snicker bars, little Debbie Cosmic Brownies. And then there were like certain kids who you'd be friends with and their like parents didn't check the a la carte like charge account as tightly as my parents did. And so they'd be like, hey, you hungry? I'll go get you a Rice Krispie Treat if you need one. I'm like, yeah, I could really go for a Rice Krispie Treat or like a Carmelo. Oh, I love Carmelo's. Yeah, that was totally early 2000s when you could have that kind of stuff on the a la carte line. And I survived on Cosmic Brownies and SpaghettiOs for a majority of my senior year. Okay, this one is, um, this one's sad, but it's very important to read. When I was 18, my brother that was two years younger than me drowned in a swimming accident. Our small town showed up in overwhelming ways to care and support us. They brought tons of food, cleaned our house, flowers, money. It was overwhelming. Over 1,000 people attended his funeral. Whenever I think of why I love small towns, this memory always comes to mind. I thank you very much for submitting that, listener. And I think that hopefully not everybody listening has been touched by tragedy, but I think a lot of us have had challenging times in our lives where people have stepped up and supported us. And I really think that in a small town, you find that support system that you don't get in larger communities. I know I look back to my episode from 2021 with my friend Lindsay, and she said that they lived in a larger community in Wisconsin at one point, and she said she didn't even know who her neighbors were. But when she moved back to her town of Centerpoint, Iowa, they became known, like they built a network of people who could babysit when needed or help with a home improvement project and things like that. In small towns, we help one another and we rally. And there are a couple of examples of this in our life too. Um, I agree with this submitter. Like when you have these really unfortunate and like how do you even overcome these kind of tragedies, people really do turn up. Like our daughter Charlotte went to the hospital when she was five years old, this was back in 2018. And like, it was very fast and sudden that all of a sudden she went from being like this healthy little girl 
to being a very devastatingly ill child in the intensive care unit and needed help breathing with a ventilator. Um, But our town, like, I can't even tell you, like the prayer cards, the letters, the emails that we got that were delivered to our room. Like she got so many unicorn stuffed animals. It was crazy. And like on Facebook, there was a, like a little sketch that got designed. It was a unicorn and it had her name. And pretty soon everybody in our town, it seemed like had switched out their profile picture to Charlotte. And it just symbolized like the support that we had awaiting for us at home. People that like we knew that I worked with at like the local manufacturing plant like years earlier, they were sending get well wishes. We had so many gift cards get sent to us that we were like, we will never use all this. Like, so we started sharing it with other families that we knew were in much more dire situations than us. And I remember like one person in particular, they're like, we're going to send you some food so you guys have something to eat while you're in the hospital because we ended up being at the hospital for five weeks and we went to rehab for another three. But they sent us like two pounds of ham, two pounds of turkey to keep in our little dorm fridge in the intensive care room. And they sent us buns and like two huge cases of water and chips. And I remember when this got brought in from like the hospital staff, they're like, this got dropped off for you by so-and-so. And we looked at each other. We're like, we will never eat that. Like, how are we ever, A, going to eat that much? And B, we won't be here that long. Like, we were just kind of naive about it. But long story short, like, we did eat all of that. And then when we ended up finally making it back home, we had so many frozen casseroles and breakfast items and bags of get well cards, um, like gift bags of give well cards. Like, there was a whole counter in my laundry room that was filled with gifts that people had dropped off. And you just, Unfortunately, tragedy really shows you the support system that you have in a small town. But thankfully, when you need that support system, they're there. In other instances, too, um, our family has a nephew who has a genetic condition and he is in a wheelchair. And uh, my sister in law, she is awesome. And she started a 5K walk run because our community didn't have that at that time. And it was called Small Heroes, Mighty Cause. And it was just in the early days of this run, it was simply a 5K that was to raise money for research so that there could be a cure for this someday. And I think in the first year, it raised $30,000. And we come from a community of 2,500 people. And then in Years after that, I think it raised like 40000 I know that it, it's been held like three or four times and the total amount raised has been over $100,000, um, which is incredible. There's also in a community next to us, another kind of foundation that raises money for our nearby local children's hospital. And this past year, they raised over $300,000 with one event. Small town people are the best. You won't find anyone better. All right, more listener submissions. This is from a business owner that does a lot of shipping. When the mailmen and women cheer you on during holiday shipping season, I think that if you know your like postal worker or UPS drop-off person by their first name and you like make conversation, you might be from a small town. When you can call your neighbor to pick up packages from your porch when you're out of town, yes. 
when they emphasize the value of young people coming back and invest in those folks and when they welcome outsiders not from that town like they would one of their returners. I think that's so sweet because a lot of times in in these communities, we can get reputations, whether it's valid or not, that small towns are not welcoming of newcomers. Like if people have been here for life, they're just a fixture like we had indicated before. But if somebody moves to a small town that had never been from there, there can be barriers. Um, there was a conversation I had early in the podcast with my friend Jordan, um, and she talks about this feeling of like making inroads in a community that's small when you're not from there. But that doesn't have to be the case, right? We can be as small town people who have lived in the community for a long time. I think it takes us identifying that we aren't always as welcoming as we think we are and we need to celebrate and welcome newcomers. And I know a lot of emphasis gets placed on people when they're young who maybe move away to college or they go to the big city for a few years and then they move back. But I think that it is equally if not more important to welcome those people who move here with no like bloodlines, no lifelong connection, because that means that we're doing something right. And I keep name dropping, but my friend Melissa said in her episode, um, if we want our small towns to do cool things and be places that people go, then we have to be the people who make that happen. And I think that's so true. We need to be welcoming of the people who move here and live here if we want to see our small towns continue to grow and thrive. Another listener submission says the holiday traditions in small towns are what she loves most. Um, this listener says she met her husband at a small town bar. I know this listener personally, and the small town bar love story is the best. Um, I don't know if I can share the whole thing, but it makes me laugh every time. Uh, listener says there is nowhere else that supports you like a small town in happiness and sadness. You grow up thinking that's natural, but after you move to the city, you realize how amazing it really is. The community loves and rallies behind you. And you guys, I could keep going. There are more submissions about community support and the love you feel and how you just kind of take it for granted. There were so many people who submitted stories like that, but I think that's just the pervasive, like, not pervasive, what's the word I'm looking for? The overall love about small towns is that there is love here. That as crotchety as some people pretend to be is, you know, there are those people who are like, oh, that's the grump that works at so-and-so, or that person never smiles. They just always have a sour look on their face. Like, they love you too. Like, they love to get a little, maybe sometimes they're the people who prefer to have a little bit of shit thrown their way. But there's just so much like love in these small towns that people have for their communities that support one another. And it makes me so thankful to have this experience in my life and then to be raising our family in a small town. It just makes me feel so blessed. So thank you guys so much for sharing your small town love stories. Like I said, I did not get to all of them, but I so appreciate you guys taking the time to share your thoughts. And I hope that in listening, you could hear a little bit of your own small town love story too. All right, everybody, I'll be back next week with another episode of Small Minded, and I will talk to you very soon. Testing. Is this on? Oh, 
Hey there, listener. Did you notice that we've had sponsors on recent weeks of the podcast? Chilled Freezer Meals, Janie Stall Coaching, and Sweat Inspire Sisterhood are businesses here to help you with their products and services. And they knew that as a small-minded listener, you might need just what they had to offer. Now, if your business helps people who live and work in small towns, then a commercial spot on the Small Minded Podcast might be the perfect opportunity for you to connect your products and services with your ideal follower. And you know we're all about the marketing and ideal audience here, right? So if you're interested in advertising with the Small Minded Podcast, shoot us an email at hello at mollycanuthmedia.com to discuss our new sponsorship opportunities that we have available. Now, this is the place where I put in a friendly little disclaimer and let you know that we're going to be pretty selective about who we allow to advertise on the podcast because our listener experience is super important. We really value each and every one of you who tunes in each week and downloads episodes of the podcast. So if you're a business who is interested in advertising in this space, be prepared for us to ask some initial questions about your goals, who you are, what you do, and just really get oriented with you and your business before we offer you the recording spot. Okay, so thanks for letting me clear the air there. But if you are interested in advertising with Small Minded, shoot us an email at hello at mollycanuthmedia.com for all the information about our new sponsorship opportunities. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the Small Minded Podcast, the place on the internet where we celebrate small towns, small businesses, and the people who love them. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be forever grateful to have a review of your experience over on iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you tuned in today. And as always, we welcome you sharing this podcast with your friends and family on social. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Small Minded Podcast or at mollycanuthmedia.com slash podcast. Please go out, make today a good one. Take a small step towards a bigger impact. Here's to a life well-lived being small-minded. <laughs>